Hi, everyone. I'm really excited today to be joined by Chris A. Hughes, owner, founder of A Nerd's World in Toronto. Um, Chris started his business roughly 10 years ago, and he has been hugely successful in growing the business to well over seven figures a year. Um, so I'm really excited to have a chat with him today, and uh, yeah, we'll jump right into it. So, Chris, thanks for, thanks for coming on today. No problem at all. Um, so I just wanted to start with your story because it's a really um, cool story. I know you've had a lot of different experiences as an entrepreneur, and I really wanted to kind of focus in on that a little bit and maybe kind of get you to deep dive a bit into your story. Kind of tell us uh, a little bit about your early days, how you got started um, kind of just in entrepreneurial ventures and, and kind of give us your story leading up to today where you're um, at the p- position where you are. Um, you know what? I, at a very, very young age, uh, I was never good in school at all. I didn't like school. Um, so something in me, um, I, don't know, I don't know how it switched or at what age it switched, but I mean, I remember in grade eight uh, buying and selling sports cards. Um, it, it, it added excitement to my life. So I was bad at school. I hated school. I feared school. I hated presentations. I didn't want to talk in front of the class. Uh, so it's like I created something or a reason to start enjoying school. And that was through selling sports cards. Uh, and, and it only grew. It started as uh, me being a one man, young child selling cards to, hey, let me introduce my friends to this, teach them everything I know, uh, and then make a little profit off their sales as well. Um, it's something I was always interested in. Uh, but as I grew older, um, and, and in high school, I started realizing that there's other opportunities in business, not just sports cards. So I would, I, it came to the point where I would start asking people, what are you guys looking for? Uh, and this, I'm 41 years old. So when I was in high school, you couldn't just simply go online and buy wholesale. It was diff, diff, difficult. Uh, but I remember begging my parents to go, uh, let's go to Chinatown, downtown Toronto, so that we can look for wholesale items because I would always ledger everything. Everything was written down like, <laughs> from math class wants this and he sized this. Um, and just being organized and knowing what people wanted, finding it and then selling it at a profit. Um, and then I came to the realization at, at about 16 years old, I was out on the street, had nowhere to live. Um, so I started using those skills in order to pay for rent. Most kids going through high school you know, have a shelter over their roof and they have food on the table. Um, I was not talking to my parents at that point at all. uh, And I had no one to turn to. So the sales and like the street to street, talking to strangers, uh, that skill that I I somewhat learned younger ages started, you know, working for me, really working for me. uh, I needed survival. Yeah. Survival. Um, It was a different world, right? I like, I love it. And I talk to my parents now, almost every day. My dad was just calling me right now that I declined. Uh, but I mean, at a young age, I was bad at school. They didn't like the fact that I was bad at school and I love it. I wouldn't change a thing, but I think that it brought out the salesman in me because it was a necessity. I needed to do it. Um, yeah. so, I mean, gr- growing up, I tried different businesses, uh, nothing really stuck. I made some money doing things and I lost money doing other things. Uh, but to sort of jump along the story, um, I started a web development business about 14, 15 years ago as a part-time job. Um, I, I learned web development on my own. I met my wife. Uh, we were both self-employed at a nerd's world. 
uh, doing what we do now just on a lot smaller scale from the corner of our little tiny one bedroom apartment. Um, sounds like a, like a story that's told quite often, but that is our story. Hey, no, that's, roughly, that's... roughly eight years ago, we, we took the, the dive and we opened our first retail store to take this more seriously. We weren't taking it seriously. You know, we weren't scheduling our days when we were doing it in our bedroom. It's like wake up and work when we want to. We weren't, we didn't have that, uh, that drive when we're in our pajamas, very similar to what we're doing right now, to be honest, in, in pajamas. So we decided the next step would definitely be to open a retail store. Yeah, I, I think um, it's interesting when you hear those kind of stories, especially when you hear about someone who at a young age um, kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs who end up being successful, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but I feel like a lot of them have had that kind of gut feeling of wanting to be an entrepreneur from a young age. Like I know for myself, that's exactly how I felt. And the first thing I did was get into sales as well. Um, I did it in retail and then I moved into business to business sales and I saw some success in that. And I realized like I can sell things. If I can sell things, I can sell my own products. And that's kind of what led me to get into web design um, was looking for something that was um, something that I could sell to other businesses myself. So I think that's a really um, interesting thing to see that because I think a lot of people kind of have a similar um, path when they're in entrepreneurship. So, you know what I, so for my whole life, I thought exactly that. I thought entrepreneurship is something that's in your blood. It's like ingrained in your body. Uh, but my wife, I met my wife uh, prior to us meeting. She had never done anything like this. Uh, now, she runs the nerds world for the majority of the time. And I believe now today that entrepreneurship is something that could be taught. If you're passionate about something, you can become an entrepreneur at any age. Um, she, she's the, the proof for me. But for me personally, I know it's, it's in my butt. Like when I was born, I'm sure I came out the womb, start trying to sell things at the <laughs> hospital. Like it's, it's in me. Yeah. I, I, I think you're totally right. I think you can learn it, but I, I do think there's a lot of us that, kind of have had that bug and that's kind of what I felt as well. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool story. Maybe, um, maybe tell us a little bit more about the early days of a nerd's world and kind of growing the business and, and, uh, some of the challenges that you faced. Sure. Uh, when I opened, when we opened our first retail store, there was zero planning at all. We had no business plan. Um, to be honest with you, we had no portfolio. Uh, we didn't have a web developer. We didn't have a graphic designer, but, we drove past this little tiny store on a street called Bathurst in downtown Toronto. Uh, we'd never go to that area at all. Uh, and we saw a for a lease sign. And for some reason, we stopped our car. Once again, we weren't looking for a store. Uh, we both put our, our windows, our hands to the window, my wife and I, and something gave us a good feeling. Hmm. Um, so we called the phone number and uh, right next door was the real estate agent. He's like, oh, I'm right next door. I'll be there in five minutes. So in five minutes later, he's over. He showed us this little location that looked really bad, but had beautiful stained glass windows. And it just had a, I don't know, aura is so important to me. It had a great aura. <laughs> so it I don't know. That, uh, that atmosphere. It had that feeling. <laughs> I, I, I love it. It had that feeling. Uh, so like a snap of a finger later, I'm signing, I'm signing a lease. And two weeks later, we have a key to a store. And even till that moment, we had planned 
basically what the store is going to look like. Uh, but we had no website portfolio ourselves. We had a tiny little website because remember, we were running it from our bedroom apartment. We had no client list. We had no bank loan. We had, no, we had nothing. Yeah. Uh, and that's what worked best for us because the pressure of not having anything and needing to depend on making the sale from a hustler standpoint, that's what I require to bring me to the next level. So we did things a little backwards. And a lot of people would say that what we did was not the right way to do things. I beg to differ. Yeah. Uh, most people write a business plan and write and write and write and, and never actually attempted to, to make that move forward. So um, that was basically it. We opened the store. We had a general idea of what we were going to do. We were going to sell websites, photography, and SEO in a storefront environment, retail. Nobody, nobody that I know had done it that way. Not an office, an everyday, open seven days a week retail store that any stranger can walk in off the street and say, I want a website or simply ask questions about websites. Uh, so, I mean, we got laughed at for a long time. Uh, graphic designers would come in and say, there's no way you're going to pay your rent. You know, I do a logo for $50 and you're charging a thousand. Uh, and and we, I like that. Like that's motivational. I love when, the, when people doubt me in business, that's the most motivational thing that I like it. I live for it. Uh, yep. And I laugh it off. It, it, it never affects me. Um, so let's get into it. We open the store, zero portfolio. Uh, we put a, a, a for hire sign on the windows looking for talent and people would come in. In the beginning, we had no bank loan, no large amounts of money, uh, nobody to borrow money from. So I came up with the, instead of paying them per hour, let me contract them per project. So the magic number was 40%. So when people came in to apply for a job, I would tell them, you're, you're going to get 40% of every project. You're responsible for start to finishing that project. And you do not get paid until that project is complete. My job is to get people through the doors, get the sales in, and manage the project. So if I don't like the work you're doing, you're going to fix it until I'm happy with it. Then I'm going to provide that work to the client. Uh, people would sign off and say, yeah, because 40% is a great number. Oh, yeah. uh, it's motivational for them. And my job then was, became easy. Okay, I have some talent. We started with a developer, one developer, and one graphic designer. So I have the ability to start doing this. Now comes the legwork and the, the hustle. And, and that, that meant just hitting the streets and getting as many people to my website and to my physical store as possible. So I mean like Monday night events, entrepreneurship meetups, hey, just parties. You, you know, my hours, when the first two years, we would open up at 10 in the morning and we would close once we'd made sales. There was no closing time. That's right. <laughs> I would often be open with the lights on, the door spread open, one in the morning. I like I'd that. I'd be that guy still working on the counter, knowing that, hey, I'm not going home or I'm not going to sleep until I get a sale because I need that sale to keep the lights on, right? Yep. Uh, and there was obviously times where it was tough. I would go home. Uh, you know, I'm, a, uh, I'm into watches. I, we have some fancy stuff in our house, not more so now than before, but I would pawn stuff. Hey, rent is due. Let's pawn whatever we can. Let's get it to the, we know we're going to buy it back, but we need this to survive. So, I mean, I think that I'm, I'm just, I don't, I don't quit in life. I don't quit. Uh, I, I'm a survivor. And, and I think that's, I don't know how to put it. A lot of businesses become very laid back. Sales are bad. So they sit there ang angrily wanting the world to heal and, and, and sort of just, it's going to fix itself. And I've never been like that. Like, I just think that, the far majority of businesses that are not successful are stubborn, 
they're trying the same thing over and over again. They're not thinking outside the box and they're lazy. That's I tell business owners that the first two years I would hustle and I would put up like posters on, on polls, like need a website. And I would put thousands of these posters up. And one of my friends that owned a business, he said, Chris, aren't you embarrassed? You're the owner of a business and you're out there putting these posters. Your hands are dirty. It's cold outside. How about if somebody sees you doing this? And I love it. Listen, it's my business. Nobody's going to work harder than me and I'm not going to fail. So I'm going to do anything in my human power. If, if that means don't sleep, if that means my, my hands are dirty, if that means I need to put a costume on and dance in front of my store, I'm, 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 I've never been ashamed of crazy work ethic. And I think that's what excelled us. And remember, this is a, a constant growth, a very slow growth in the beginning, but knowing that our end all, like our finish line is 50 years from now. Yep. Right. We're not, we're not trying to get rich in the first year. We're not trying to get that. rich in the, in the fifth year, right? We're trying to make money and survive, grow the brand and keep yep. putting that money back into the brand. You're building right? a real business. That's, that's but too many people are fly by night business. The questions I get asked, Chris, how do I get rich? I want to get rich in the next year or in, in one sentence, like tell me what I have to do to, to be as, as successful as you. And if I had to put that in video format, it would be a 10 year video about yep. all the ups and downs of running a business, right? This takes a long time, but I love that fact because it sort of weeds out and filters the wannabes. Yep. Right. Like what? I can look back to eight years ago. Who's still around? That was my competition eight years ago. Who's still around? Right. So now yeah. we're reaping, you know, the rewards for the hard work. It just takes time. And I like that. I, once again, I want to be in this marathon forever. Yeah. So I like that. What, um, uh, actually I was going to say, um, one thing that stood out to me about what you were saying, action, um, cures fear. And that's a, that's a, that's a quote that I have behind me that my wife tells me all the time because she's recently been having to do like online videos. Um, she's a kinesiologist, so she does workout videos. So that's something that was very uncomfortable for her. And she's had to start doing that. And she's, she's been saying that a lot. And it's a phrase I've kind of taken as well, because um, what I've heard from you a little bit here is, is like, you've seen this, you saw this retail store and you jumped on the opportunity and you kind of figured it out as you went. And I think that's really important. I think that's something that really stands out to me as being something that um, is huge because you don't always know how things are going to go. You don't always know exactly how to get there. But if you take action, at least something's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. But I think, I think that's the point in which most people stop following their dream, dreams when it's actually time to, to do action, right? Because me, unlike anybody else, man, I was scared sick. I was, felt like I was going to vomit when we signed this lease for the first three years and I had no real game plan. It was sickening to my stomach. Oh, yeah. And then all the doubters came to me, you know, my parents, what are you doing with your life? Uh, friends, like, Chris, this is what you're going to do? Uh, and, and I mean, it, a lot of self-doubt, but without taking that action to get started, you'll never know. So, I mean, that was the starting point in every point in my whole life, period. If I get that gut feeling, yes, I'm going to be nervous, but if I get that gut feeling that something's going to work, I do it. Zero questions asked. I don't have to ask anybody. Uh, there is absolutely a certain level of self-risk and risk that you must take in business for sure i love that you just go you have you have to do it you have to take the first step if you never take the first step 
nothing's ever going to happen. You don't know. Right. For sure. Um, just to touch on the, um, the naysayers, because there are those who will question you anytime you do something that kind of goes against the grain. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that a little bit. Yeah. You know, emotionally it's tough. Um, I'm once again, I'm, I'm older now and I've dealt with it so long that it doesn't phase me anymore. Uh, but I mean, any, any real human that's somewhat close with their family and friends, no matter, you know, it's going to affect you. If there's negativity in my life, it affects me, period. Um, I'm very lucky that I have a wonderful wife that's been 100% supportive, even in those difficult times, period. Um, and she's jumped on board. She's followed, uh, you know, the risk taking that I'm taking. I, I didn't even just take the risk for myself. I took the risk for my wife. And at that point, we had two children, um, two young children. So, I mean, it was a big risk to take. Uh, but, I mean, having that support of my wife, easily like overshadowed the 22 people that were upset at me for taking the risk. Right. I'm a man. I'm I'm a man. I I don't live my life for other people. I love my family. Thanks mom. Thanks dad for your opinion, but goodbye. I don't want to hear it Uh, because it doesn't deter me from my dream. Right. But I mean, even till today, uh, quarantine 2020, I still get a ridiculous call from my father once a week. That's like, Hey, are you out of money yet? Hey, I told you you shouldn't have gotten business. I'm fine. Wow. We haven't fired anybody. We're doing exponentially good. Yeah. Right? And I can, sure. I can very proudly say that I'm a, a self-multimillionaire. I'm living the life yeah. of my dreams. And I don't like to openly come out and say that we make millions of dollars. But there has to be sort of a credit to what I'm saying. And without evidence, without the average person watching this video, doing a little research and saying, Oh, this guy has opened up retail stores. Oh, he does have 33 full-time employees in house. Right. So it's, 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 it's oh, like yeah. a way to verify what I'm saying, but I still have it. You know, I laugh it off. I my dad was a post, a postman. How am I going to expect him to understand me taking a risk and starting a business? Right. So, I mean, share when you're younger and you're following your dream, you could be any age. Right. It's, it's difficult to share your dreams with people that are going to be dream killers. Right. It's tougher. So what I recommend is try to build a circle around you of people that are in business. If yeah. no one in your family has ever started a business, now it's time to befriend other business owners, any business. Yeah. Because when you have a, a great day, it's great to share that information with them. They're going to applaud you. Whereas your, your family probably won't. My family yeah. didn't. It's different. Uh, once again, I love my mom and dad. I'm glad I didn't listen to any of their advice. I remember my wife and I, we went to my dad's house once uh, and he's a postman, like he delivers the mail. And he yeah. looked at me right before we opened the store and he said, I can get you in. Like, I'll get you the application. I know the hiring manager. I can get you in, you know, go that route of nine to five. You're going to have great medical. Uh, and I laughed at him. And I, I still remember the story, his wife, which is, um, not my mother, but his wife said, Chris, I love poetry, but I have to be real. I'm not going to be a poet. And that's her way of trying to compare her to me, the drive to me. And, and, and it's no comparison. So once again, I feed off that. you got to ignore it. It happens. Yes, we get emotional about it. Like That's the nature of being human. But I mean, if you just got to go. You got to go. You got to try for yourself. Um, as an adult, it's your responsibility to chase your dreams and forget what everybody else says. Yep. 100%. I totally agree. And that's not to say that you can't have friends 
um, who aren't business owners and, and who don't, yeah. you know, share all those same kind of goals as you, but you should have a network of people that you can go to, to have, to have these discussions. Cause that's so important. That's so important. I, I just to- think that you need, you need that audience of people around you that are good people that really care about you, that will applaud you when you win and be there to support you. I don't mean financially, but be there mentally to support you when you yeah. fail as businesses fail, right? Some of them fail and go bankrupt. And others fail because they can't pay rent one month and they need to do what they need to do to survive, right? So you need that support system to a certain extent, right? I never had that support system. My friends are not entrepreneurs at all, but I had my wife. My wife would clap when we do well. She would support us when we do poorly. So I had that one person around me and I think that's hugely important. Had she been a different type of person, uh, I don't know where I would be without that support, right? We might be divorced. We might not be living the way we are but she supported those nights of sleeping in the basement of the store. I'll be honest. I, like there is nights where our whole family, because I wasn't seeing my wife that often. I was working so hard and sleeping in the basement. I remember one weekend she said, Chris, we're, we're, she, she brought sleeping bags. She's like, the whole family is going to sleep in the basement of this store. Cause we got to be closer. Yes. Work has to be done, but we got to be closer. So we had a shower, a kitchen in the basement. And that was our alone time sleeping on the floor of a store. So, I mean, that, that, having that kind of support system hundred percent, it really helped. Yeah. I have that as well. And my wife, she's the most supportive person. She's such a hard worker. And the fact that she has allowed me to chase my dreams means everything. And Man, you got to get it though. Now, now, you know, once you're given that opportunity, there's really no excuse because yep. now's your time to get it. Right. So that's hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I shout out to all the, the spouses out there and girlfriends and boyfriends who support, support their their significant others who are who are taking that leap because that's that's not an easy thing to do um obviously it can pay off but you know it's 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 a huge thing it's so good um i agree yeah um so chris uh what is a common myth about your profession or field that you would like to debunk so in terms of in terms of web design what's a common a common thing you hear uh, maybe on the entrepreneurial side um, that you hear from yeah. people. It's tough because most of the time I don't listen, right? Uh, a common myth is that this industry is going to disappear, like currently, right, with mm. the likes of Wix and Squarespace. Um, but, like, it's so tough. No, that's, My that's, mind, that's really good it, because any, any industry you get in, you are going to find people who say that. Oh, this industry is saturated. Oh, there's too many people doing this already. And it's about finding a way to stand out. You did that through maybe retail stores and having that open visibility to your clients. Um, I think that's something that's huge as well is is finding a way to differentiate yourself. Maybe you can touch on that a little bit. Yeah. You know, when I started the business and we opened our first retail store and said, hey, we're going to start taking this seriously. First thing I did is I started calling my competitors and I lied. Every time I was a business owner, because I wanted to hear how are they going to communicate over the phone? What are they going to promise me? What are they going to attempt to sell me? At what price, price point is a five-page website going to be? And I would document it. I call my top 10 competitors. And the reason I did this is to reverse engineer success. I want to know what were they doing right? What impressed me on the phone? How long did they take me from the time I emailed them for a price quote for them to pick up the phone and call me? And I would time it. Some took two days three days. Some didn't even call me back. Maybe I was too small, but they didn't even have the courtesy to call me back. 
So I made a list of things on a, literally on a piece of paper of things I'm going to have to do better to conquer this industry. Remember, this is at the point I have zero portfolio and zero employees. But things like being nice, right? Like sometimes when you associate web development, like nerds, you think antisocial, right? And maybe there are, I don't know much about computers. When I'm going to buy a computer and I ask uh, at Apple, can you tell me all the specs? I don't understand the majority of what they're saying. It's just, it's different to me. So yeah. I look at web development as the same. I want to be the anti-web developer that owns a web development company. Because if you ask exactly. me a silly question, I'm not going to laugh at you. I'm not going to avoid you. I'm going to answer you business owner to business owner. For and sure. I'm never, ever, ever going to recommend something just for a money value. Do you get what I mean? Like if you need yep. a like simple package, I'm selling you a, there's no upselling. I'm not trying to get as much money as humanly possible from your pocket. This is since day one. I want yep. to be different, right? You do what's and best for the client. You do what's best for the always. client and you focus on communication because there's so many in the web design industry, particularly I know, cause I also own a web design business. C- yep. Communication is, is so important. And if you're not communicating regularly with your clients, that's not a good thing. You're not standing out. You do stand out when you do communicate because a lot of people don't do it. Yeah, for sure. And like what, just lethargic, people are lethargic. They take too long to email back. Like I had a system set up when emails came in that a text came to my phone and I I was so hungry. I didn't care if it was four in the morning, I'm getting up, I'm putting some water in my face and I'm responding. And that was hugely important because let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many, even till today, I cannot tell you how many sales we close because somebody emails on a Sunday night at one in the morning and we respond at one twenty-two, And they're always like, wow, you're on the ball. Because remember, that's the first time they've ever communicated with us. If you want to impress somebody, answer their silly questions. Yeah, there's exactly. No, there's no silly questions. Don't underestimate who's your client and who's not. There's no tire kickers in this business. You treat everybody properly. So with having a retail store, yes, you know, I would be trying to do work and then somebody would come in and just talk about nothing important. Hey, uh, yeah, uh, my grandson was thinking about getting a website. What do you think? And I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to spend the next 30 to 45 minutes explaining to grandpa that yes, his grandson should have a website, but that's not going to have any effect on my bottom line, but I'm okay with that. I'm trying yeah. to build a brand and everyone is welcome. Yes. That takes a time out of my day. Um, it takes a little bit from me energy wise, but it's well worth the investment. And that's been literally since day one, because most web development companies, if you call and you don't meet their criteria, they don't want to talk to you anymore. No, I don't look at it like that. I look at it like, let me talk to grandpa now. Maybe when his grandson turns 18 in five years, he's going to remember that conversation and he's going to come and hire us for a $10,000 website. So it's always been about neighborly relationship building. And I found that with retail, I've never talked about this, but when you open a retail location, the neighborhood, if you're a good business, the neighborhood really embraces you, right? You become, you're invited to park parties and, you know, uh, charity bake sales and they embrace you because a lot of our sales came from that neighborly business that says, Hey, I've seen you for the last four years and now I need your help. So that's, that was an exciting point for us. We, we were really welcomed after a certain amount of time into the neighborhood. Yeah. It's, it's all about going above and beyond, right? It's about yeah, meeting, sure. yeah rising to the challenge of, of just exceeding people's expectations. 
I think that's in this that's so industry is, is known for bad, bad communication, uh, over promising and under delivering. So, I mean, if you knock those things off and you're a great communicator and you deliver in a timely fashion, you're already winning. You're already better than the, the, than the competition. And, and touching on one last thing, I decided very early on that there's going to be no maintenance fee, no mandatory fee, no monthly fee. When you hire us for a website, we finish the website, we give it to you, it's yours. If you need assistance, we're here for you. Give us yep. a call, we're ready. But it's not mandatory by any means. And that comes back to day one, writing down everything I didn't like about my competition, trying to sell me hosting. I'm just asking you about a website. I don't want hosting, I, I want a website. So I mean, we're anti that. Can you make money doing that? Yes. Do we want to make money doing that? No. That's yep. been very, very strict to us. We haven't changed and strayed from our ideal points that we started day one. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not about making money. It's not about yep. making an extra $30 a month or $200 a month. We're trying to build a brand that's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's that right. little hosting money here and there is, it's not going to, it's not going to help us. Yeah. And this is such an important point for anyone who's listening, um, who's thinking of starting a business, find those things um, about your competitors that are going to teach you how to differentiate yourself. This is what Chris is all about. Um, I follow his content and he tells you like every single video reverse engineer success. And that's really so a phrase. Like, you know, jump on the phone. You know, what's crazy. I, when I spoke to Ruin a couple of days ago, he took it a step further. Not only did he call his competitors, he hired his competitor. He hired his competitor to do SEO on himself so he could see what they were actually doing for that $500 a month price point. It's yeah. brilliant. And, it, and, and we didn't invent this, right? But how are you going to know where to set the bar? Like what, are you gonna, what goals are you going to set for yourself without looking at what goals your competitors have already achieved? People are doing things ass backwards. It's yep. the simplest thing in the world to pick up the phone or send an email to your competitor. Uh, and I that's what's it. always all right, this is my, my second last question for you. Um, I'm just getting just, excited. I'm excited now. You got okay. All, all right, well, we, we can make this a long question. We can make this, a, we can make this um, a multifaceted question if you want. But what, I'm, re I'm what, ready. What does an entrepreneur, what does being an entrepreneur mean to you? And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like the literal definition for me is a, an entrepreneur is somebody – that works for themselves. Um, that could be really doing anything. Uh, an entrepreneur is somebody that the shelter, the, the home they live in, the food that feeds them, the clothes that dress them comes from their own two hands and, and doing something, whether it's selling a product of your own or selling somebody else's product or selling the service that you offer. But I mean, everything comes down to, are you doing the work to make the money to, to survive? Yeah. Um, I, hopefully that nobody's ever asked me that question. So hopefully that gives you my opinion of the word entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, for me, it's really the people who are willing to take that risk and blaze their own trail. Um, yeah. right. And, and go against maybe all those people who don't believe you can do it, but, um, who are willing to put themselves out there and at least try and, and go for it. And that, that's huge. Not everyone's going to be successful. Um, right. But if you're willing to take enough risk and to, to not quit and to keep trying, um, then I think that's what's going to differentiate you. You might not be successful in your first venture, but, you know, somewhere along the way, if you keep, keep at it and you don't give up, you'll, you'll find success. Um, I want you to tell the story about uh, 
about your your shoe business. Can you tell me? Can you tell that story a little bit too? Because I think that gives a little yeah. bit more insight into your entrepreneurial background. Yeah, I've always been into sneakers. Even when I was broke and a child, I always had nice sneakers. That's something I would always put my money into. Um, so through doing research, I found that in Canada, in downtown Toronto, which is Canada's biggest city, it was very difficult to find shoes that were found in America, right? Like America always seemed to have cheaper shoes with more options. So I would do my drive back and forth and buy shoes for myself. And whenever I came back, people would stop me in the street and say like, wow, those shoes, like, where did you get those? So I started by sneaking extra pair across the border back to Toronto to start selling them to make a profit almost to pay for my gas and the shoes I was buying for myself. And what I found is like people, I was building a client list. Uh, I knew what sizes they want, what colors they want. And it went from initially when I would bring the shoes back, I would literally stop my car, open my trunk on any corner of Toronto and show people I would stop anybody. Look, I got these, these are your size, etc. But not only would I make that initial sale, I was building a database of clients because every single person that ever bought anything from me, I've become, I start a relationship with, look, you're buying this now. Give me your phone number right now. I'm going to mark it down. And I would never save the name as like his real name or her real name. It'd be saved as like met tall man, uh, Jane and Weston. He loved Nikes. Like that was his name. So I could remember. Yep. So now when I start going back, the U.S. and coming back, it's no longer standing on the street corner, although I loved it, so sometimes I would. Now it's going through my Rolodex of people that already bought from me, and let me please them. And not only am I trying to sell to them, I want to know their uncle, their father. Many of these people, they would, I would tell them, gather all your friends that love shoes in the living room. I'm going to give you a discount. I'm going to come in with 100 pair of shoes, and people go crazy. So it started by me going to the U.S. and bringing it back. That's not scalable. And it's illegal to sneak shoes back. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had to find a way for somebody in the U.S. to wholesale these skids full of shoes. So I started with that because I came to the point where I had more customers than I had products. And so then I, I sat there at home thinking, this is still not scalable. And the products that I'm getting, you could still buy from eBay. You could still make the trip. So what I started doing is I, I buy paint and I started painting regular white Air Force Ones that you could buy at the store to make them custom, to make them one of a kind. Hmm. So I started by going to businesses and saying, let me put your logo on a pair of shoes. Uh, and oh. I met some, some very big people, like when uh, Rockaware, Jay-Z's label was in Canada. I met the owner of the Canadian Distribution Center and gave him a free pair of shoes with the, the Rockaware. And what happened is he started introducing me to all these big hip-hop stars. Like, Chris, I got Wu-Tang Clan coming uh, to the head office. They're going to get some free clothes here's 500 bucks, go make me a pair of shoes so I can give it as a gift. And that got me cool. introduced to so many different celebrities. Uh, and then I didn't have to wholesale from the US. Now I'm the maker of the product as well. So it was a transition. See if the business works, do it the long way, but see if it works, then find a distributor to now to the point of, I would go to Foot Locker, buy a hundred pair of shoes and just do it myself, right? I got rid of the middle person. But yep. the whole goal was, finding out what the person wanted on the street, the average person, at what price point they're willing to pay. That's how it started. Until the end, when I'm building custom shoes, I was doing like snake skin shoes. I was selling them up to $10,000 a pair when my cost was about $250. But it took me Crazy. time to build those relationships, right, with celebrities. Because once you get celebrities wearing your stuff, it's easy. 
right? And somewhere that I didn't share in that story is when things were getting busy and I was really getting a lot of shoes in, that's when I decided to build my first website. I said, you know, mm -hmm. if people in Toronto want these products, I can imagine people around the world want these. Maybe in Alaska, there's no sneaker store yeah. or anywhere else, right? So that has a lot to do with me trying to reach out to celebrities because I figured if celebrities will endorse my product, the kids will flock to me. I'll become popular oh, yeah. and they'll buy everything, right? So me, like I got to meet with 50 Cent when he was at his, his prime and hang out with him literally in his hotel room. I got to do a lot of stuff. Chris Brown, uh, I befriended them. And when they came to Toronto, guess what? They would call me first. They'd be like, come to my concert. I got backstage passes and I still use some of those connections till today. But when I had that website and I had pictures with all these celebrities at my house, yeah, right. Like who has celebrities come to their house? That's insane. Yeah. Like <laughs> so then the next concept was, well, I'm building this fan base and not everyone can afford a few thousand dollar pair of shoes. So that's when I started doing silk screening. I started making a $25 shirt with my brand on the shirt because I want to make sure that I can make a profit from everybody. Right. So that goes back to being an entrepreneur. Yes, people fail in business. And the reason is their eyes and ears are not to the street. If people are mm. telling you to change, and I don't mean parents telling you to change. I mean, if your clients on a day-to-day -day basis keep asking you, why don't you do this? Or why don't you sell that? If you're not listening to them, you're not changing your game plan. Of course, you're going to fail. Yeah. Right. But after hearing for the hundredth time, like, Hey, I'll buy anything that you sell, but I can't afford shoes. Of course, it makes sense to do silk screen shirts and me being me. First step, I hired somebody in Toronto to do it. Second step, I knew it was going to be ready on Thursday. I, I show up to their location on Wednesday. They're like, Chris, you're early a day. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. But since I'm here, can I help you do these shirts? He said, yeah, you can help me. Guess what? My next order is not being done through them. It's in my kitchen because I'm watching everything they're doing. I'm reverse engineering what they're doing. And now I'm the manufacturer of t-shirts. Yep. So I, I've always been like that, like getting dirty. And you know what? Building that website, the first two years, I was making no sales, right? E-commerce was not, not even a thing then. You know, <laughs> people had to send a money order to my home address in order to buy a product I was selling. But then all of a sudden, I was introduced to the fact that you can get an online merchant account and people are starting to use it. In Canada, I couldn't even oh, get yeah. I had no credit. Uh, you got to remember this, like, uh, at least 20 years ago. Uh, but I found this bank, I can't think of the name, in Switzerland that said yes. They actually go through your website and they said, yes, we'll do it for a fee. And right off the gate, like I knew that was going to bring me to the next level. So that I is a huge point because surviving. Yeah, yeah. You, you take, you, you took your situation, which some people would look at that and go, I can't do anything. Like I'm stuck. Yeah. I can't get credit. Nobody's going to give me a loan. But as an Find entrepreneur, you're a problem solver. You, yeah. you figure those things out and that, that really, that helps, right? That, that differentiates you as a, as an entrepreneur and learning I mean, to pivot. A, a stand, exactly, exactly. But I mean, from a standpoint of knowing what you need to do or get in life to succeed and just don't stop, it's not going to be easy. But I mean, from a financial standpoint, my whole life up to that point, like being 21 years old, which isn't that much time, but I've been living alone. It's been a struggle. It's been enjoyable struggle. I've enjoyed yeah. what I'm doing. I don't regret it. But at that point, I became uh, an online seller where people could use their Visa, and MasterCard, and American Express from around the world. 
is the day that I, I remember because I went from broke to rich within three months. Remember, I had all the biggest celebrities wearing my stuff. So I remember at that point, within three months, it was the Christmas season, and I, I would open up my, my uh, account, and like my eyes would be open. Like While I slept, I made $15,000 in sales, and I'm not even ready for this. Because remember, I'm making the shoes myself. Yeah. I'm making the shirts. My, what happened in my mind that I went from making $300 a day to 15000 and I don't even have to go outside? So how did you right, handle so that? Like, how did you fulfill yeah, those? And... I started hiring people. I started hiring friends, which probably wasn't the best idea. But as a, a newcomer to entrepreneur, like who else am I going to let in my house while yeah, I'm sleeping? Right. Who's going to be printing? So I, I hired a lot of friends um, and I started traveling the world. Like in my mind, I was the biggest entrepreneur that's ever <laughs> existed, right? Because like I'm making money, I'm buying stuff. I remember sending my parents on vacations. Uh, I was doing stuff that I always dreamt of doing. And I was probably doing it too quickly, but I mean, that's part of learning, right? Yeah. I should have probably been locked in the house producing every single product uh, for my clients in a timely manner. But me, it was like, no, I'm making all this money now. Let me go shopping. Right. Yep. So, I mean, that was something that was definitely, I think everybody needs to taste that and experience it themselves. Different people will act in different ways. Uh, but not only was it very profitable, that was, uh, it opened my eyes to e-commerce. And remember, 20 years ago, there weren't many people online doing this. Uh, so that's when I started teaching myself web development because I was crazy. I would wake up in the middle of the night with a new idea for a shirt. And before I manufacture it, I would create a Photoshop mock-up. I would add it to my website to see if people would buy it. And that would be in the middle of the night. And there's no developer I could call that would be as enthusiastic as me at in four in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So I would just <laughs> literally sit on the computer, work, 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 nonstop. Um, and that's how I grew the business. And, and to, yep. to quickly talk about where I think I made a mistake is I'm making all this money. So I, I open a retail store. I open a shoe store, custom yep. shoes and shirt store. Uh, I took on a very big lease that I didn't need. But the arrogance in me as a, as a young entrepreneur thinking I'm taking over the world thought that that would be the next best step, which it wasn't. And yep. it held me back for two to three years. I'm the one opening and closing the stores when mm-hmm. I should be at home making orders, right? Uh, So that was a mistake I made, but that was my first retail store. I don't regret it. Looking back, it wasn't perfect, but it made me the person I am today. So that's, that was very long winded, but that's sort of a little bit about my, my, my shoe business in the past. No. And I, I love that because these are the stories that I want to tell. I want people to hear because people, people really connect with stories and they learn from stories and people people can learn from from your challenges and maybe some of your mistakes, but also um, learn from your successes and 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 try and take little things from you. Not that they're going to copy everything that you've done, but yeah. if if we can learn a little bit from everyone um, who's who's been successful, then we're going to be able to piece together you know our own journeys. And I, I love I love hearing people's stories. I love it. And you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. As when I was going through those difficult times, YouTube. I don't know what year YouTube became a thing, but I would stop. And this might sound crazy to people. I didn't have any mentors in my life. I didn't have anybody I could turn to for advice when things were good or bad. So I would park my car at a gas station and I would literally wait for nice cars to show up. You know, normally like young kids would be like, can I get a picture of your car? I would stop and ask them questions. Not about me personally, but I would stop and I would wait there all day. A Porsche comes in. Hey, sir, uh, 
I'm not trying to sell you anything. Can you tell me a little bit about your life? What kind of business do you own? That's and crazy. that would be my way. That would be so my cool. way to get reinforcement because it, you know it's a recurring theme. Hey, kid, have crazy work ethic and work harder than everyone else, and you'll be successful. Yeah. Right. So as soon as I got money, guess the first thing I went and bought the fanciest car I could buy. Cause I'm like, <laughs> you know, maybe I can interact with them now because I'm doing this. Maybe I did this a little too early, but once again, you can't go back. Uh, but I mean, people are out there to inspire you in any format, whether it's reverse engineering, exactly what it took them to be successful or whether it's just communicating. And, you know, if you're a true entrepreneur, there's nothing else better in the world than hanging out with another entrepreneur, even if it's for five minutes, because you know, they get you. They yeah. understand you. If you don't even have to talk about it, you just know that there's understanding. So, I mean, just get out there. Like, no more excuses for people. Anybody watching this, like, if you're an entrepreneur, you can find other entrepreneurs. You're just not looking hard enough, right? Nobody's going to – the biggest problem is, like, when I ask – people ask me, like, Chris, can you be my mentor? And the answer is no. You haven't done enough work yet, period, right? When I met my wife, we went on dates. You know, we tried going on a vacation together. We didn't ask for marriage. You have to prove yourself in a relationship. So if your first question in us ever re talking is, can you be my mentor? The answer is no. You haven't done any work. Do it for yourself, right? And mm -hmm. who knows? Maybe two years from now, there could be some sort of mentorship. But, I mean, you've got to do this for yourself. Yep. 100%. And I'm not talking to you directly. I'm just saying in general, like, there, there can't be any excuses. Oh, yeah. There's like, nothing that's going to stop. And you're in a third world country. Guess what? There are multimillionaires that come out of a third world country. You live in the ghetto. You have no money. You have no supportive parents. Guess what? There are multimillionaires that have done worse than that. So I'm not one for excuses. I don't like to make excuses or hear them. Anybody in the planet that's watching this video can, with persistence and passion, become a successful entrepreneur. Yep. 100%. And um, I think there's so much importance that should be placed on getting mentorship. But going back to what we said before, like being an entrepreneur is really about, um, you know, blazing your own trail, marching to the beat of your own drum, taking risks and standing out. And you're not going to yeah. ever learn how to do that if you're not willing to try your own things, your own ideas, um, and, and differentiate yourself in some way. So mentorship is so important. And, and when you have um, the work ethic like yourself, you, you don't just take your own ideas and only run with your own ideas. You, you have great ideas. You try them. Sometimes they fail, but you're also willing to get on a call with someone like Ruan, who's, I think he's roughly my age, 24, 25. I'm 25. So, and you're willing to listen from him because he's been successful. Not that you're going to take and model his his, um, his exact business model, but you'll take little things. We all do. That's, that's how business works. We I'll, I'll tell you something others. very, very, very quickly. Um, uh, there's points in my life where I've been homeless, uh, like literally nowhere to stay. I'm tired of asking certain friends, can I sleep on your couch? Sleeping in park benches. Uh, and, and through doing that, you meet other homeless people. And I can't tell you how much good advice I got from a homeless person. And even till today, I would love, it's funny, you can't see my view, um, but I sit here looking down. There's actually a homeless community under the bridge. I can literally see tents right now. And if I want to be educated in life, those could be my mentors. I can yep. learn from them 
Um, so, I mean, of course I'm open to listening to any business owner. Is it going to change my thoughts in life? Maybe, maybe not. But I don't look at me talking to Ruan as competition. He's younger than me. Exactly. I don't care how successful you are or how – this is not a contest. Somebody left a comment on one of the videos like, oh, he has 100,000 subscribers. You have 15,000. So what? Mm-hmm. I can learn from him just like I can learn from this homeless man down here, right? Be open to people. When I get in a taxi, I'm not talking about bring me from here to the shopping mall. I talk about, hey, where are you from? You know, how do you like living in Toronto? Do you yeah. do anything on the side? Could I use those little 15, 20-minute interactions with a stranger to learn? Yeah. I can't tell you how many taxis have taught me about business. Hey, I do taxi because I'm supporting this business. You know, I remember one guy says, I import coffee from all over the world. I'm like, oh, and you do the taxi? He's like, i got to do the taxi. I need to survive while I'm chasing my dream. Yeah. So I'd be like, well, what's the process in importing coffee? He'd be like, well, I go to Brazil. I go to Colombia. And I'm like, how do you find the coffee? And like, without starting that kind of conversation, how do you import it? Is this coming over by boat, by plane? How long does it take? Yeah. Right? Who are you retailing to? Are you selling on, online? Are you wholesaling? Like, without having this kind of interaction with straight, everyday strangers can teach me, and they do teach me, but I mean, without investigating, I'm not going to get in a taxi and they're going to tell me, hey, let me tell you about my business and what I do to survive. Sometimes my friends are like, Chris, shut up. They're in the taxi. Chris, why are you asking this guy so many questions? In my mind, it's like I have a certain opportunity uh, to succeed in business. Any information I can get from anybody, successful or not, is good information. Yeah, for sure. Because you can learn from people's struggles and challenges. And and so many people have their own story to share. And and I just love love that. I love that. Yeah. Everyone has their story. So, um, and that's what I really want my kind of my podcast and my YouTube to, to focus on that a little bit is just telling people's stories, telling entrepreneurs stories, um, and kind of doing these, these sort of deep dives. And Chris, I really, really appreciate your time. And I I thank you so much for, for jumping on here with me and being willing to, to do this. Um, you know, I, I'm obviously I'm nine months into my business, so I'm, I'm newer as an entrepreneur, but, uh, it means a lot that someone like you would be willing to take the time. No problem at all. I appreciate it. And I get, I get motivated by doing this kind of thing as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's exciting for me. Yeah, it's really good. And um, where can our listeners uh, connect with you online? Uh, YouTube is probably the best, just a nerd's world on YouTube. Uh, if you want to visit my website, www.anerdsworld.com. Uh, social media, it's all the same. A nerd's world, a nerd's world, a nerd's world. Awesome. Well, everyone, thanks so much. Um, thanks for your time, Chris. Um, go follow Chris on Instagram, YouTube. And uh, yeah. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.